the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The Innovators Network. Kim McNicholas on innovation. Spotlighting successful entrepreneurs, innovators, investors, and industry experts. Their stories and insights can help you become better informed, better educated, and a better investor. Your host is Emmy Award-winning anchor, reporter, and writer Kim McNicholas. Kim has been a journalist at Forbes magazine, a Fox News Channel contributor, vetted more than 3,000 startups, and has been a mentor for entrepreneurs around the globe. Now, Kim McNicholas on innovation. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the show. We have an amazing show planned for you. So excited to have Patrick Chang. He's with Samsung Next Ventures. Everybody's heard of Samsung. I'm sure you have some sort of Samsung technology in your house. Well, Samsung's made a $150 million bet on the future, the possible next disruptors in this world, and they are searching for what's new, what's next, and supporting them, helping them to scale. Welcome, Patrick. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. Very excited to be here. Oh, so, and you're also, what's also exciting is that he's working with the Extreme Tech Challenge. It's the world's largest startup competition where the top 10 present live on stage at the world's largest electronic show, Consumer Electronics Show in Las Vegas, CES. The top three go on to present live to Sir Richard Branson. Everybody knows Richard Branson, Virgin Brands. Yeah, we got it. Um, They get to pitch to him on his private island. And so Patrick and I are working together on this. We're really, really excited to move forward. (laughs) And we have a bunch of startups that have questions for you that have been emailing me and calling in, and they're all set to just pick your brain and find out what is the secret sauce to success? <laughs> yeah, looking forward to speaking with them. But I think we should get started and find out. You know, Samsung Next Ventures, what is your focus? Every venture capital firm has its forte. Yeah, definitely. And Samsung is such a big organization. We have multiple different investment arms, so it kind of gets a little bit confusing. But uh, at Samsung, there's about three uh, venture groups, and our group was kind of created just to focus on software and services. Uh, everyone thinks of you know Samsung as a hardware company, but we're eventually trying to evolve and you know be more kind of software and services driven. Really? Yeah. Oh, that's interesting because I've talked to I just was interviewing some folks with the cable industry last week. I had to MC the world's largest cable industry <laughs> conference and trying to get them to understand very carefully that it, it, they're going to have to become more of a software-driven business. It yep. just is what it is. Yes, you do need to have the capital infrastructure, yep. right? Yeah, definitely. And then, you know, hardware itself is becoming commoditized, and it's mm-hmm. very hard to differentiate ourselves. Yes. Um, so that's why every company is kind of really, really focusing on the user experience and, and the software that powers it. And you said you had three focuses, right? Uh, th- yeah. There's, so Samsung has three funds. One of them is Samsung Ventures, which has been around for, you know, 20 years or so. Um, and then they're they're very focused on uh, kind of strategic collaboration, but they also have a you know financial arm. But we like to differentiate ourselves as you know we are the uh, early, Samsung Next Ventures is actually the early stage fund that focuses on C through Series B investments. 
I think that those are the riskiest. <laughs> and so how did you get into that? How did you poise, your, you know, frame yourself to get in this position? Because it's a pretty powerful position to be able <laughs> to say, hey, you know what? Out of all the startups, what, what is it? Um, 178,000 startups that emerge every single month around the world. How do you find those gems? Yeah, what I mean, makes you the right person for that? It, it's a really humbling experience, but I, I think uh, at the same time, it's, it's more exciting. You know, I get to help all these innovators and entrepreneurs and help them grow their future. Mm-hmm. And mostly, you know, just seeing how we at, at Samsung can help them uh, with their businesses. And so what types of companies are you looking for? I mean, you get companies when you're talking seed stage. Yeah. You're, you're talking barely even a prototype sometimes. Yeah, we, we see thousands of companies every year, um, you know, from us reaching out to a lot of companies and, and a lot of inbound. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, for us, it's, um, you know, at, at the seed stage, you know, those are kind of the riskier your bets. Mm-hmm. Um, so <laughs> we usually so for us, we usually pick on, um, you know, just like a lot of venture investors is just about the team and kind of like uh, the technology. So we are um, us as a, as a fund cannot invest in. And well, sometimes we do, but uh, usually we don't in, invest in pre-product. So you, you usually have like an MVP oh, or something. Mm-hmm. Yep. Gotcha. And so. Everyone always talks about investing in the team, team being one of the top criteria. But what is it about the team that you truly look for? Just being a serial entrepreneur isn't enough. Having a bunch of failures, having a few exits, (laughs) it doesn't always make you the best fit for the next startup that you plan to create. So what is your criteria for a founding team? Yeah, and our criteria for founding team, um, usually what I like to look at is, what, what does this team have that really makes it an unfair advantage? Like what does this team either through technical expertise or through um, there's through their market know-how or so, something around those things is like what do they have that you know is, is special that they know more than the whole market or mm-hmm. every or com- competition or stuff like that? And what proof do they have of being able to be the right fit for solving a problem yeah. even if they have no experience in that area? Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, and, and it's just like, you know, the way that they can show themselves through either the product or, or some sort of market know-how. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, these these bets are so early that uh, we're kind of taking their word for it sometimes. Right. I mean, if you had Elon Musk and he said, hey, I'm going to change the automotive industry. I mean, he didn't have any experience in the automotive industry. <laughs> exactly. Same for outer space. But he had he'd done his research. Mm-hmm. He probably knew the market better than a lot of people. Yeah. He was willing to think differently. Yeah. And bring some new ideas to it. And so I think that's key. Um, Also, in terms of before we get to the callers, we're already lining up here. (laughs) I'm looking at them as I'm watching you. Um, What are the areas in in which you are focused on right now that you think are the hottest sectors to invest in? Yeah, personally, I'm focused. um, I usually focus on enterprise investing. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of the areas I look at are like industrial IoT. Um, right now, blockchain is very hot, but we've been investing in blockchain since 2014. Wow. Um, and then uh, just anything with, you know, such as developer tools and et cetera. But my group itself focuses on everything. So we have a lot of a big practice in AI, um, health, uh, VR, AR, uh, autonomous driving, mobility, et cetera. Well, we have someone on the phone, actually, speaking of (laughs) mobility. We have John McMillan. He's with Shockwave Motors. He is an applicant in the Extreme Tech Challenge. He's actually entered quite a few years. John, are you there? I'm here. Hi, John. We have Patrick here, and he wants to get your 30-second pitch. You ready? All right. I'm ready. Thank you, Kim and Patrick. I appreciate the opportunity to ask the question today. 
And at Shockwave Motors, we make electric cars cool by providing a high-performance, three-wheel, three-passenger, all-electric roadster that's economical, pollution-free, safe, and just plain fun to drive. The roadster's got a top speed of around 75 miles an hour, and it has an 80 to 100 mile range. It can then be plugged into any standard one-wheel outlet while the commuter is at home or at work and get a complete recharge in about eight hours. So that provides a daily range of up to 200 miles and there's no additional infrastructure needed. No other electric vehicle with our level of performance has that capability. They've all got to have level two chargers. And so, Patrick, they have entered in in previous years. Mm -hmm. They're coming back again. What is it, before I ask him what his traction is, everything else, what is it that would set him apart this year based on your knowledge of the the market? Yeah, I I think I vaguely remember this application. Um, And it's very very exciting. Like like you said, you're making electric vehicles fun. and I, I think what what really separates from on the application front is you know where where are you at the inflection point you know where is the product where it's uh, you know ready for market where you are uh, just at that right pivotal moment that we think that will you know kind of scale up and take off. What do you got to say, John? Well, I got to say we're we're right there. I think on that that cliff, so to speak. We've got uh, a lot of research done. We've invested a, a large sum of money and time ourselves. And we've got body molds complete. We've got uh, uh, suppliers identified and, and locked in for uh, the uh, typical uh, parts for a typical vehicle. We've identified the major components, and we're just taking that next step and looking for somebody to help us take that next step. What sort of traction, what conversations have you had with uh, different automotive groups? I'm sorry, say that again, please. What what? What conversations have you had? I mean, what do you, where are you at in terms of traction, partnering with automotive groups, manufacturers oh, okay. to make this possible? Okay. Well, traction-wise, for example, we received the 2016 award by ID TechX for the most significant innovation in electric vehicles. We've identified and worked with SunTrust Bank. They're going to provide consumer financing for us. We've also worked and have a verbal agreement with a nationwide uh, service company for servicing. Uh, key supplier agreements in place, along with a patent pending. Fantastic. And do you have a question for Patrick? And if you do, we'll have you stay on the line, and we'll get to it right when we come back from break. Sound good? I do indeed have a question. Okay, <laughs> fantastic. Patrick and John, we will be right back in just a few moments, so stay with us. Now, back to Kim McNicholas on innovation. Welcome back to the show. We have Patrick Chang. He's with Samsung Next Ventures. And we are taking callers from the world's largest startup competition in the world, uh, the Extreme Tech Challenge. And right now we have Shockwave Motors' John McMillan. He's created three-wheeled electric vehicles that are cool and fun and hip and can go up to 75 miles an hour, 80 to 100-mile range. And he has a question, right, John, for Patrick? I do indeed have a question. I can appreciate the fact that a strong startup team is vitally important and that people invest in teams. Aside from looking at the team's qualifications and how their skills complement each other, what's the next most important aspect of a startup company you look for to help you decide whether or not to invest? Great question. And uh, this is something that every startup probably thinks about, too. Um, and then Kim and I were talking about this earlier. Um, you know, one thing that I particularly look for is, you know, what kind of unfair advantage that this uh, entrepreneur or team has. So it could be from, and that, that that goes for every single industry out there. And I guess for you in, in the automotive industry and electric vehicle industry is like, you know, what's so special about, uh, you know, your vehicle that differentiates from all the competitors out there, all the other OEMs, 
And, you know, is there something that you saw um, out in the market, the gap in the market that really warrants, um, you know, why you're creating this product and why you will you personally will succeed in in this business? I love that. What is your unfair advantage, John? Well, our unfair advantage is the fact that we can drive 80 to 100 miles, plug into any standard 120-volt outlet anywhere on the side of a wall someplace, get a full recharge in about eight hours, and be able to drive another 100 miles back home. I, I, miles per day, <laughs> no special chargers, no infrastructure. I just love your energy, John. You can come back anytime. We'll, we'll probably hear from you next week. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so Thank much. You. And it's with John's with Shockwave Motors. Thanks so much, John. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. You have a great day. You too. Next up, we have Marilyn. She's with Marilyn. How do I pronounce your Acor? A E Q U O R? Yes, it's pronounced Acor. Acor. And you've discovered novel chemicals in the ocean that prevent the ability of bacteria and fungi to form biofilm. Explain. Yes, thanks. Uh, biofilm is an impenetrable matrix that most bacteria and fungi form to protect themselves. No known disinfectant or antibiotic can remove it at non-toxic doses. So Acor's chemicals are considered a real breakthrough. We're working with NASA to remove biofilm from the water supply and life support systems on board the International Space Station. Wow. NASA NASA called biofilm the number one impediment to long-duration manned space travel because it's responsible for contamination that can lead to operational inefficiencies and incurable infections. Wow, that sounds amazing. That sounds like it is almost, um, you know, society-changing technology. Um, Yep, we hope so. (laughs) How did you get involved? Well, I'm the CEO. Uh, The founder is a marine and medical microbiologist who hypothesized that there had to be something in the marine environment that was inhibiting the attachment of uh, algae and other fowlers to surfaces because they first attach on the biofilm. So she collected surface material and discovered chemicals that uh, remove the biofilm. And what's the billion-dollar opportunity here? Oh, well, in industry, you can imagine, biofilm is everywhere. So it's in water supplies, on surfaces, it's in our food supply, uh, it's on farm to fork, uh, and uh, it's uh, on the medical side, it's, it's huge because every pandemic threat and urgent threat and bioterrorist threat are all biofilm-forming bacteria. This is why they're hard to kill. And it's no coincidence that every superbug, the drug-resistant strains, are also biofilm formers. And since nothing can remove biofilm at non-toxic doses, Acor's chemicals have very broad applications across many verticals. And what's your go-to-market strategy? How do you plan to, to scale this, this business beyond what you're doing with, with NASA? What's that plan? Well, back- It's a great question. Bacteria are bacteria. So the same bacteria that are contaminating your uh, water supply is also found in the hospital. It is also found on many other surfaces. So uh, what we're doing now is screening all the chemicals that we have. We have many chemicals in the portfolio to see which one works best against which target. 
And then uh, licensing is the only model that a small company like ours can can uh, think about. So we divide it into divisions. We have a consumer division, an agro-industrial division, and a medical division. And we're dividing the chemicals into divisions. And then we hope to license out to specialists who can drive them uh, into the, the respective markets and overcome the regulatory barriers for each. So what's your question for Patrick? Well, my question for Samsung Ventures, because Patrick's <laughs> interested in that, is that I read that Samsung's the latest company eyeing satellites is the best way to expand the reach of the Internet. Mm-hmm. So are you aware that biofilms more thickly and quicker in space and that biofilms on satellite optical sensors are skewing the readings? So the question is, would you be interested in working with a startup like Acor to solve these problems, even though we don't have expertise in satellite technology? <laughs> well, A, I actually did not know that about bacteria and biofilm, which is very interesting. I did not think anything could actually survive in the vacuum of space. So that's, that's, that's very uh, right. exciting to learn. Um, and yeah, I mean, if, if it's an issue that is faced, um, that a lot of satellites and you know, if a product of Samsung is going to face, you know, we would love to, you know, take a look and uh, just see how it's applicable and stuff like that. And, and what is it, the best approach for someone like Marilyn to to get in touch with someone at Samsung? Yeah, and and, and that's a great question because Samsung's such a giant company right. and people can waste a lot of time <laughs> trying to talk to every single person at Samsung trying to get, you know, their foot in the door. And, uh, you know, that's, that's one of the reasons why our group was kind of created is that we are the front-facing group for, um, you know, Samsung to Silicon Valley and to entrepreneurs and innovators like yourself that answer your question right. yeah that gives me your email <laughs> <laughs> yeah. i might and be able to connect you yeah, we'll love to and i'm uh, happy to chat <laughs> fantastic marilyn thank you so much for calling and really appreciate it keep me up to date on what you're doing and i'll i'll connect you both appreciate it bye-bye bye next up we have herb ryan from bitohm Hi there. Hi. Thanks for calling in. Tell us about Bitome. Sure. So at Bitome, we make miniaturized MRI-based technology to measure the body's hydration status. Specifically, we're using that technology to reduce the number of readmissions that congestive heart failure patients uh, have every single year, costing the healthcare system on the order of around $17 billion, uh, just for readmissions. Wow. And so what's your, your traction so far with it? I know you were in NASA's program, weren't you? You were selected by NASA? Yeah, absolutely. So the technology that can measure the body's hydration status um, doesn't, uh, isn't exclusively restricted in, in its usefulness for the medical field. Uh, NASA has a, has a big interest in measuring biometrics. Uh, and more broadly, our, our platform can measure a lot of other interesting things that are useful for general science on NASA missions. So uh, they brought us in and, and had us talk a bit about that. So that was a great opportunity, and we uh, got to interact with a lot of the NASA chiefs and, and talk about how we thought it uh, could actually be useful for some of their long-term manned spaceflight missions. And so, Go ahead. No, I, I was going to say there's, there's a lot of uh, real-world applications to it, too, especially in the consumer world. And as you know, uh, everyone's very, very health-conscious these days. And we're at Samsung, we're actually trying to – you know, put a lot more sensors and a lot more devices into our devices to help measure and quantify uh, human health. But isn't there a lot of competition in this space? Yeah, a lot of competition. Kind of an uphill battle <laughs> at this point. How do you break through the noise? Yep. 
Well, sure. So, uh, and, and uh, I think Patrick is probably alluding to the investment that they just recently announced with a competitor of ours. I will say what we're focused on in the medical regime um, is, is, uh, is a really sweet spot for us because uh, the medical field requires accuracy, which is something we can deliver. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you look at comparable wearable products, uh, optical, uh, bioimpedance, these are technologies that have been around for a long time, um, but they aren't applied to the medical field because they're not a- appropriate. Uh, what we're bringing to the table is new technology, uh, has not been commercialized before. Usually you think of an MRI as a room filling, multi-million dollar machine uh, that's not at all applicable to uh, embedded at-home monitoring mm-hmm. of, of congestive heart failure. And also that entry point for hackers to get into the every single hospital, for some reason, it's like that weak link for security. <laughs> anyway, hold on. Stay on the line. I know you have a question for Patrick. We'll have your question and his answer coming up in just a moment. So stay with us. Now, back to Kim McNicholas on innovation. Welcome back to the show. We have Patrick Chang. He is with Samsung Next Ventures, and we're taking callers. We have some amazing startups that have applied for the world's largest startup competition, the Extreme Tech Challenge. And they want to know what Patrick thinks of their company and any advice that they can get to help them scale and become that ultimate success story. So on the line, we have Herb Ryan. He's with BitOm, and he has a question for Patrick. Thanks for hanging on the line. What's your question? Sure, yeah. So at BitOm, we're very interested. One of the reasons we started the company was to reduce healthcare expenditures. You can think of our technology a bit like a glucose monitor, but for congestive heart failure. And our interest is... Or um, is you, Patrick, do you think that technology innovation can have an impact on the cost of healthcare in the same way that we've seen it uh, come into the service industry, into transportation, um, and a lot of other uh, verticals that have had huge impacts in, in reducing the cost that the daily consumer uh, pays for those services? Yeah, I personally think, uh, you know, healthcare is, is such a large market that's, you know, he- a heavily regulated and also have a ton of different uh, interest groups and stakeholders. And I think, you know, the, those, those things kind of show that it is kind of ripe for disruption, similar like the taxi market was, um, you know, it, it has all the kind of the same factors where Uber came in and, and all the ride sharing companies came in to really shake things up. And I, I think healthcare is something that, you know, humans, we all think we care about it and we think about it all the time. And, uh, you know, if something can save our lives and, and it's a huge expenditure in our life. If something can come in and help reduce the cost and uh, give us more information, that would be game changer. And where are you at actually in in terms of traction for your company? Because I kind of want to know from Patrick, because I know he's been involved in healthcare and Samsung's really big in healthcare, what his best advice is based on where you're at to get you to that next scalable level. Yeah, absolutely. So we're in the process of getting as many uh, LOIs that we want to convert into customers. Um, we're trying to secure health care partners to run pilot studies, help us build up a convincing data argument uh, that our device works and it does what we say it does. Uh, and then ultimately, long term, we want to turn those into customers that are going to pay us money. Um, but at least the name of the game for us right now, as we identified, is, is to collect that data with credible partners, and that's clinical. So, um, you know, seeing as, as that's where we are and uh, what we think we need to do is, is scale those uh, those numbers up, I'd, I'd love to have uh, your uh, your uh, outlook on that. Yeah, and I think, uh, you know, you're, you're doing the right approach. And I think as an early stage company, uh, you know, trying to get as many pilots as you can to kind of show the traction interest is very important. But at the same time, pilots are just pilots, too, where, um, you know, a lot of big companies will sign on just to try a pilot because it's very cheap and they're very interested in new technologies. But... 
uh, where it's real important for a startup is to really kind of focus on which pilot to focus on and spend a lot of the energy there to seeing which pilot can be converted into real paying customers. Absolutely. Okay. Thank you so much. Thank you. Good luck at the competition. Okay. Thanks. Thanks, sir. Next up, we have Will with Nicola, Nicola Labs. And this is an interesting one. I mentioned this one to Patrick. And you know what? You have a little bit of an uphill battle, Will. Hate to tell you. Okay. <laughs> so right. give it your best shot. Tell us about Nicola Labs. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you, Patrick, uh, for your time. Thank you. So as we uh, move into a more connected future where sensors surround us, we believe the Internet of Things holds potential to greatly improve people's lives. But at Nikola Labs, we know that the Internet of Things cannot achieve its potential until fundamental challenges are solved, um, including a means to power the sensors and devices that make these life-altering possibilities a reality. Um, Our wireless power technology that converts radio frequency into usable power solves this problem, allowing for perpetually powered, wire-free, data-rich networks. Um, A wirelessly powered future is in our grasps, but can only be achieved through collaboration. And uh, we are looking for partners to incorporate transmitting systems into their smart home hubs and receiving technology into their IoT devices. Uh, At Nikola Labs, we are reviving Nikola Tesla's dormant dream of electrical power without wires and ushering in a new era for mankind. And, and do you have a workable product? Because we're we were looking. There's another competitor, Meredith Perry, and she just put out on her Facebook page that Beam actually there's going to be a big announcement. But everyone has been really disappointed because she's been talking and talking and has been saying that this is coming and she's made a big splash. But yet five years later, there's nothing. So I, I think it really comes down to what you're trying to power. Um, and if you look just in, in the realities of physics and the regulatory environment that we're in, um, there's a big uh, chasm between trying to create a good user experience to wirelessly charge a smartphone at distance and then what you can actually practically charge and create value for when it comes to IoT and low-power electronics in, in a smart home or smart office, which we can do you know, today under existing regulatory environments with with technology that we've developed. Um, There's obviously, I think we would all want the ability in the future for our smartphones to be able to be charged without plugging them in, or even while we're walking around with them in our our pockets. But, um, you know, you're trying to charge a device that has a 2,000 milliamp hour battery, and you need to charge it every single day. What we're focused on is the lower power electronics that you know, may last a year today, but we want to take those low-power sensors and enable them to last 5, 10, 15 years down the road because we believe it, it opens up new and more interesting applications and really brings about the Internet of Things and its full potential. Yeah, and, and Will, I think you, you're attacking a problem that, um, you know, right now everyone's thinking about as a trillion-dollar problem. It's the, it's the next frontier is, you know, how, how can we, you know, have power you know, constantly, you know, with all our devices. And, you know, I think you're right where you're trying to focus on like the low power devices first, because, um, you know, like our cell phones and, and more power hungry devices will take, um, you know, much more energy and be harder to charge. But at the same time, I think uh, when you look at IoT, you know, Samsung does a lot of research in, in this area, too, is, um, 
you know, when you're devices, a lot of the times like conventional batteries these days can last a year, five years, and sometimes even 10 years, uh, just to power such a low, low power device. Um, so I think one thing that you have to think about too is, uh, what is the value add that you bring to the table? What, uh, what kind of value add you bring to these IOT sensors, uh, in terms of, you know, can you keep it powered, uh, consistently and constantly always on, or, um, also, um, you know, will incorporating your technology will you dramatically increase the bomb of of these devices because these devices are usually you know extremely cheap disposable and stuff like that how do you respond to that will yeah no no that's that's a great (laughs) yes that's the conversation we've been really having over the last uh, year and a half since we've been focused on this um on the price side one of our goals and and we've worked um and are working in partnership with uh, texas instruments and skywork solutions is we realize that, you know, bomb sensitivity is absolutely critical. So we want to be the first to bring low-cost um, wireless power, especially on the receiving side, um, wireless power technology that can be integrated. Um, and we're, we're on a great path to be able to do that. And, and I think as far as, you know, the devices where, um, you know, value can be created within, let's say, IoT or the connected home, you know, there is a spectrum of, of different types of devices. And so, in our world, you know, we're not looking at the smartphone, but take like a fitness band, uh, you know, low power, lower power smartwatch. You know, those become um, types of devices that you could begin to create a compelling, you know, solution for. And then you go down from a power budget to a lot of those those lower power IoT sensors. But if there is, let's say, a battery and, and primary battery, even if it lasts two years, three years, five years, seven years. Um, you're still limited into where you can install it because at some point the sensor will die or the battery will need to be maintained. One of our big, you know, dreams is is when you look into implementing sensors in more hard-to-reach places. So I think Samsung has a, a leak detection sensor now. What if that could be really built in when a house is built in into the potential weak points in a plumbing system so that if there is a break inside a wall, um, you know, that sensor will respond immediately, not just when, you know, your, your sink starts leaking, but what if there's something inside a wall? Well, you couldn't put that sensor inside the wall today because at some point you're going to have to access it for, to replace the battery. So those are the types. And again, our, our, we need the partners in, in the specific use, use cases to get there, but we believe there's a world of new applications um, where if, if power is no longer the constraining problem, you can either get more performance or, like I said, you can put, um, you know, the sensors in and maybe more difficult to reach places. Which leads kind of to your question, because we only have about 30 seconds left, which is, you know, what would it take for Samsung to participate in a pilot program with a company like theirs? Yeah. Um, for, yeah. Uh, yeah. Go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. No, no I was going to say, you know, I, we would love to take a look at the technology and, uh, you know, see how we can uh, partner together. Uh, for pilots, it really would be, um, you know, what kind of value you bring, too. So, Early stages, happy to chat, and um, you know, you could definitely fit in with smart things and other IoT uh, platforms we have. Thanks so much, Will, for calling, and I'll connect you both. Thank you so much. And coming up right here on Kimmy Nichols on Innovation, we have more questions just piling in. We might have to do a speed round, Patrick. So stay with us. Now, back to Kim McNicholas on Innovation. Hi, welcome back to the show. Exciting, we have Patrick Chang here. He's with Samsung Next Ventures, and we have a speed round. (laughs) We want to get through three startups in eight minutes. So, Paul with Scenic, you are on the line and actually on stage. So, go, give us your best pitch. Okay, hey guys, here we go. Um, 
So watching the Super Bowl on your TV is awesome, but it's a lonely experience if your friends are in New York and you just can't be together. So our SaaS solution turns any OTT or TV platform into an interactive watch-together experience with your friends so you can hear them, all using our real-time video API. And Virgin Media, Liberty Global, are currently piloting our solution. Wow. So what's your question for Patrick? Um, you spoke about pilots being just pilots like 10 minutes ago. Mm -hmm. So what would you say uh, would be the right time for a company like us um, to get in touch uh, with Samsung Next? What traction would you look for us to achieve uh, beyond the pilots? Well, for Samsung Next, we looked at uh, everything from C to Series B investments. So as early as possible, I mean, once you have a product, so happy to look at anything. Um, but in terms of getting a pilot with Samsung, um, I think it would be more so that, you know, what kind of uh, pilots that you already have, what are, what are your traction, and how do you differentiate yourselves from other competitors? And Virgin Media, what's been their feedback so far? Have they asked you to make any sort of changes, given you advice? Yeah, there's been plenty um, advice and, and also from the external beta testers. So we're just running that at the moment. Um, yeah, there's been feedback, so we've been making changes every two weeks. Um, and we're still working with them, and, and they seem to be excited. And you also had a question about seed investment in different parts of the world, seen in different ways? Yeah, you know, in, in Europe, uh, investors are asking for MRR. Um, in the States, it's a little different. But I guess, uh, yeah, you want to see the results of the pilot. So we're running one pilot now. We're in, we're in conversations with a big um, cable operator in the U.S. as well. Uh, so I'm back and forth between Europe and there. Um, so, yeah, we'll be looking to, well, as you said, Patrick, to achieve uh, some results from the beta testers um, and then present that to Samsung next. Yeah, and we're, we're also happy to take a look um, just to see if it's ready for a pilot with Samsung. Um, you know, Samsung's pretty innovative and forward-thinking, so we look at a lot of companies very, very early on. And, and you own a lot of the television screens that, you know, still 84% of live sports <laughs> is watched on the big TV screen. Yeah. He knows who he's talking to. <laughs> Yeah, Samsung's number one in, in the, the visual display market, so I love big that. market. Okay, let's talk. Yeah. <laughs> Keep us up to date, Paul. Thanks for calling in. Next up, we have Andrew Thank Horn you. with Tribute. Andrew, 30-second pitch, and what's your question? All right, so Patrick, imagine waking up on your birthday and you get a video. It's got 25 of your best friends and family members all submitting a 60-second video telling you why they love you. So that is a tribute montage. And two years ago, we built the first collaborative video editor on the web. It takes the 15-hour process of building one of those into a 15-minute process. So now we've got 100,000 users. The New Yorker just called us Hallmark 2.0. And uh, we are getting ready to uh, basically build into our second stage of development. And we're curious about whether to move uh, towards a second consumer-facing product or an e-commerce plugin that would allow us to work with companies. And uh, would love to hear your thoughts on that after having sustained our first product and just best way, to, best way to scale. Is this like the video Hallmark card where it could be customized based on occasion? Yeah, so birthdays, weddings, graduations, retirement from a company. Not only do we have the digital offering to put one of these videos together, we actually have a first-to-market physical video card. So you can actually put one of our tributes onto a physical card and deliver that. You know, the first one we ever gave was to a Marine in Afghanistan who couldn't be with his uh, family for the holidays. So it's very cool. <coughs> Acquisition target. <coughs> who, who likely suitor? <laughs> likely suitor. Hallmark, Facebook, <laughs> Google. 
<laughs> what do you think, Patrick? Yeah, and kind of at, at the same time too. You kind of mentioned those acquires. You know, those could also potentially be your biggest competitors who can also you know turn on this feature. So definitely focus on you know how can you keep the the pace up, the differentiation. Maybe also focus on you know your brand too, because that's something that Facebook and and Google can't do is you know create a brand that's maybe as you know something what you're creating is very sentimental. So, um, you know, humans are, are species that love to be loved. So, you know, what you're doing is kind of sharing that love. But, you know, if you can tie your brand to love and, and stuff like that, you know, consumers will think about you guys first. So you're top of mind. Um, so, yeah, I mean, whatever whatever path that you want to think of on trying to monetize either through e-commerce or et cetera, uh, you know, definitely don't don't do anything that will dilute your brand. But having that enterprise arm and also, you know, along with that consumer mm-hmm. side, I think it creates greater sustainability for any company. Yeah. And makes it a, a yeah. tough company to compete with. Right. We just had our first uh, site-wide integration with uh, Fortune 1000 companies, so Bed Bath and Beyond just oh. integrated us with their registry business, and so that's kind of the why we're kind of in this place right now. Where are we going to kind of really put all of our resources next? I think that's a great place. If you're seeing big places like that that are wanting to get on board, I think you have your answer. Yeah, it makes perfect logical sense too. You know, think about it. You know bridal registry and, and stuff like that, you know, baby showers, et cetera. I don't know. Oh, yeah. I see virality in your future. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much. Really appreciate it. Keep us up to date. And if you have any further follow-ups, just go ahead and email me and I'll forward it on to Patrick. Our final question, and this is going to be quick, Ryan with My Spirometer. Go. Yeah. So um, Ryan Reichland with My Spirometer. We're creating the uh, lowest cost connected um, portable uh, spirometer that's going to be able to read and monitor trends for asthma and COPD patients. Uh, currently, the devices on the market are average $1,600, uh, so they're inaccessible financially for people, as well as the fact that they're not easy to use and they're not connected back to app and web platforms to monitor trends of the third largest killer in the U.S. and in most countries. So um, our, our, our kind of current um, challenge is essentially we've, we've kind of got a final prototype in hand got everything teed up, uh, ready to finalize FDA clearance and, and getting to market. We're trying to uh, essentially secure the right partners for our seed round and, you know, really a lead investor is kind of our goal target here. So what's your tips and recommendations for finding a, a lead investor like that that can help guide us through the seed as well as further stages? Yeah, uh, you know, I have a lot of uh, experience in this space, but one thing that, you know, you should focus on is really trying how do you differentiate yourself and what kind of value that you're adding? Because uh, a spirometer, a lot of competitors out there like uh, Propeller and Cohero and et cetera, and full disclaimer, we're investors in Cohero Health. Fantastic. Um, so we've got a unique measurement technology that is more precise than 96% of the devices on the market. All those outfits that you mentioned uh, from what we've seen so far, not bringing any new technology into the space, which we've got IP around our new technology for measurement. Well, good luck to you. We have to go. Have a great weekend. This has been Kim McNicholas on Innovation. You can connect with Kim on Facebook forward slash Kim McNicholas or email Kim McNicholas at gmail.com. Be sure to join us again next Friday at 1 for Kim McNicholas on Innovation. This show is distributed by the Innovators Network. For more information and other great shows and content, visit theinnovators.network. 
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.